and Take 43. Mark? So, dude, this is exciting. We've been wanting to do this for a long time. Yeah, man, I'm hyped about this. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, me too. I mean, like, again, I want, I've want i been wanting to be on podcasts for a while. I listen to a ton of podcasts. Yeah, yeah. And I haven't been on many. Well, okay, so now that you have your own podcast, uh, what do you want to call it? Do you want to say the name? Yeah, it's Take 43, and it's Take 43 because? Well, there is a problem. I'm sorry about the other 42 takes. I was freestyle rapping, and I dropped like a, like a, it was like a lot of f bombs, and so we couldn't use any of those. That's true, he did. You know, and but you know, hopefully one day I'll be able to work out like at least fifty percent of the f bombs, and it can be our intro song. That's cool. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> awesome. So what's cool about this podcast is we're we're production professionals. Right. We're, we talk about anything in the production world, uh, video related. We've been doing video for fifteen years. Gosh, yeah, I mean combined, we've probably been doing it for twenty because I've been doing it for about fifteen. I'll, alone yeah and then but it's been out for quite a while too exactly and it's important to note though that we are production professionals but we and we have a lot of experience but there's still a lot for us to learn yeah absolutely so we like we we want to impart any knowledge we might have on to you guys but at the same time like we want to hear from you we want to learn from you we're not going to get everything right we're not we don't want to horn swoggle anybody and pretend like we are just like these gurus listen to everything we have to say take it out into the world and you're going to be successful like like we don't know that for sure we're just a couple of guys we like doing this we like talking about it and so we want to hear from you we want to know what we you know do right and what we do wrong and and we want to hopefully give you guys some knowledge as well and so i think and i think we have a lot of fun along the way totally what kind of comes around goes around and Absolutely. i think that's what this is all about just a learning experience and educating both ways and i and i think uh i think we're on the right track for that yeah i think so i mean it's certainly the best intro we've recorded so far yeah see that took forever yeah all right but so like uh let's do it what do you say yeah sounds good so aaron i want to start off this this is called this episode is called DNA, and it's basically about you and I. Yeah, Drew and Aaron. Drew and Aaron. So I, I want to ask you first, Aaron, you know, how did you get started in this? And, and kind of take me back to that day one where you knew you wanted to do this and kind of give me like a past, give me like a present, give me a future as well. Oh, yeah, you got it. It's like it's actually super easy for me to pinpoint the moment where I knew I wanted to like put, you know, moving images on a screen. And that would be in the summer of 1991 when I went to the theater and saw Terminator 2, Judgment Day. How old were you in 1991? Uh, 1991, I would have been, I was 13, I you guess. 13? I, yeah. was, I was two. Man, so was my wife. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a joke, but it's not. My man. <laughs> my man. Uh, yeah, so, it, yeah, summer 1991. I mean, I had, like, I, I grew up watching movies. I already loved movies, you know. Uh, I, I, the ones that I watched when I was a kid over and over again were, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, Goonies, like, and so uh, in Terminator, the first Terminator, which my mother, uh, bless her soul, let me watch as a child. Uh, you, I know. you were scarred. I was scarred. So but, was she. You know, enriched as well. And uh, so when Terminator 2, like the big sequel is coming out, I was like, I couldn't wait to see it. So I actually went with my parents and saw it. And the movie blew me away, you know, not just in terms of, of visuals, but in terms of the storytelling, like the story structured in such a different way that I'd never seen before. Like you want to talk about, you know, blowing minds wide open. Like that's what happened to me uh, to the point where that was when I first like picked up like um, – uh, one of the one of the old movies. I think there's a movie magazine called Premiere that I used to read, and that's when I started picking up that kind of stuff and looking into what actually went on behind the scenes to bring that to to everybody. And that's when I realized I'm like I'm like I think I think like I have some stories I want to tell. I like I want to like make something. I want to put it on screen. 
you were enriched in obviously all this beautiful picture. You right. were engulfed in the magazines. Like, mm-hmm. what was your plan, though? Oh, I mean, I was 12. I didn't have a plan. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. You were worried what's, what, what was for yeah. dinner, right? But but over, you know, uh, uh, over the years that, that followed, you know, I kept on, like, like I said, reading magazines about it. And this was like in the you know pretty early days of the Internet and IMDb had just come out. And so um, it used to be. So, OK, even before that, I would go to this video store and they had like a big like movie catalog or not catalog, but like an encyclopedia. And so like, you know, the first person I went and looked up was James Cameron because he's who you know wrote and directed Terminator 2. And so I could find out like it wasn't as easy back then to find out who, you know, what filmmaker, like what movies he'd done, like a complete like, you know, filmography. Um, but then, you know, IMDb came out and and suddenly I was able to like search for this stuff. It was all just like text back then. Right. I was about to say IMDb wasn't out yet. And you nailed it. Yeah. Because yeah. that's our reference now. That's that is our dictionary. That's what go- like I probably search IMDb for a piece of trivia. I wouldn't be surprised if it's ten to fifteen times a day, yeah, easily, totally, easily, and definitely when you're watching a movie, right? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Like, oh, like I know that guy. Where's that guy from? And I'll be like, oh, he's that guy. Yeah, totally. You know, or you know, who, you know that who guy. made this, or who wrote this? Yeah, who or... made this? Who wrote this? Like, even just today, we're looking for something, and uh, and uh, I was like, I was like, I wonder who wrote this. It was a trailer that just came out today. I'm like, I wonder who wrote this for uh, um, uh, is it Morbius. Oh, okay. He said, yeah, it doesn't not like it looks very good. But um, I was curious who wrote it, and I went to it and found out that the writer also did uh, was it Kings of Egypt. So I'm pretty sure my feelings about that movie are justified. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, love, I love that movie, but it's so dumb. Um, anyway, so, okay, in terms of a plan, yeah, I didn't have one in, in, immediately. But um, as, as I got a little bit older and started to realize, as I started getting to the age where I needed to have a plan, being, you know, 17, 18 years old, like, am I going to college? Am I, what am I doing? Um, I like I had I had come to the decision that I wanted to go to film school. But at the same time, like I didn't really feel comfortable, like trying to ask my parents to to help pay to send me to art school. I'm not for one, I'm not even sure that they would have like agreed to that. You know, I think my dad's a pretty practical person. He probably would have been like, like, well, if you're going to go to you know school and we're going to pay for it, we want to make sure it's something we can get a return on the investment for, which makes sense. Um, but my parents are also very, they've always been very supportive of all the, you know, creative things I've wanted to do when I was, a uh, you know, I used to play guitar. My, like my dad helped buy me like this nice big Marshall half stack and like, you know, it's always very supportive of this stuff. So that's just conjecture on part as to how he would have felt about it. Oh, but that's good. No, you need to support, especially in a different sure. type of, uh, you know, you weren't doing sports and things like that. And right, I, I, right. I'll kind of touch on my side of that later, but yeah, that's important. Right. It is. And so, you know, uh, it, it, so my dad's answer was join the military. <laughs> I, t- never mind about the support. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so he, my dad was in, in the Air Force also. And, um, you know, uh, I think he was kind of a punk kid, kind of like I was. And I think it was a lot of good for him. And I, I kind of felt the same way. I was like, I was like, OK, like I could join the military. They'll pay for my college. Um, and also, like, also was kind of like not sure if I was ready for college, to be completely honest. Like, like I felt like I needed to kind of go out and like see the world and like screw around a little bit and you know not it's not a very um not a very popular idea to like not go to college right after high school but uh it it is if you join the military i think interesting um, yeah. and I, I definitely wouldn't recommend it for anybody and i definitely wouldn't recommend it right now but uh it, but it was it was very good for me you know i did i joined the air force at 17 and i ended up spending about 5 years in the military um and honestly, because I knew at the other end of that, I'd be able to afford to go to film school. Yeah. Well, thank you for your service. Oh, thank you for your service. All right. So did it pay off? Do you, after you, so you yeah, so went I to mean, the military and then now you're going back to film, are you going to film school? Yeah. So, yeah. So once I got out of the military, um, I came uh, to Utah. My parents live in Utah and it just, uh, again, not super internet-y days. And so, and I, I guess uh, 
I didn't feel very good. It was strange, even having been in the military and having gone some of the places that I went, you know, Kuwait and you know, strange places. Um, I still had kind of a problem feeling like I could just go like to LA and live by myself and go to college there. Like I didn't feel comfortable with that, partially because I was married at the time. And I know for me, I would have been fine being broke, sleeping in a gutter, going to college in LA, but I was married. And so I had somebody else I needed to take into consideration. Um, and so I felt like I, I couldn't like drag her along to do the same sort of thing. And so the kind of the compromise, I think, was moving to Utah uh, to Salt Lake, where my parents lived, and going to the University of Utah. Because they actually had, from all from everything I'd heard, a pretty decent little film program. You're moving from Idaho, right? No, so I was in England. Oh, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, were yeah. Based in yeah so I, I, yeah, I grew up in Idaho, but then when I joined the military, like left Idaho and never looked back. And um, and so I was, yeah, I was, I was stationed in England for most of the time. I was in the in the Air Force, and so I was moving back from England, uh, back to Utah, which yeah, like. I didn't take the short route from Idaho to Utah for yeah, sure. That's not the right way, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it took kind of took the long way around, and so um, yeah, like I decided I'm like I'm gonna go to film school, and you know, like I think uh, film school uh, is definitely a conversation that can be had another day. Is it worth it? You know, there's a lot. There's been a lot of talk about that. Like, you know, sometimes people say the best film school is just you know doing it. You know, and, and like I, I actually don't disagree with that. Yeah, especially um, in today's world. Yeah, especially in today's world. Yeah. When there, when there's so much. Um, online that you can read about like there's basically just textbooks online you could you have access to like every movie ever made like you can do a bit of uh, a self-film school and like equipment like honestly you know phones you know you can grab a phone it's got a camera on it you can start you can start doing stuff much easier than you could back when I started in school. Yeah, there's more content in filmmaking today than there has been ever. Oh, ever. Especially yeah, it's insane. With... It's such a crowded, like, this is the stuff I've wanted to do since I was a kid, and, like, part of me wishes I was born about 20 years later yeah. so I could have really taken advantage of all all this, like, at a younger age. Sure. Well, you still can, but you had I to, still you, can, again, yeah. though, you had to learn kind of the, the grassroots and kind of the, the harder way, maybe, if you will. Yeah, for sure. I don't think there's an easy way, but... No, and then, and I think there's also not one right way to do it. It's true. And because it, it, it depends on the particular person, what works for... How, you know, how I learn is different from maybe how you learn. You know, uh, maybe a classroom setting works better for me. I'm not sure if that's true, but, like, maybe it does. It, it just depends. Like, in, and I think... Again, this is a conversation. I think we could probably do a whole episode on film should. school versus not film I think school. We I, should. Think, I think we should, too. Um, like, I, I found it helpful for me. Uh, for the most part, but what I didn't learn, I learned a lot about story. Uh, if if anything, uh, the four years was worth uh, the screenwriting class that I took. Um, I, an incredible teacher named Paul Larson, who the guy just the best thing about him, he taught me the one rule of sc screenwriting. Like screenwriting doesn't really have rules. There's one rule, and that's keep it interesting. Yeah, no, that's it, cool. it, what, whatever it takes to make that happen. Well, we and we've made not to jump ahead, but we've made three short films together, yeah. and I think that shows, right? Yeah, I think so. I, I I think that's the type of thing I feel like I should have like tattooed on my butt or on your butt or so. You know what I mean? Like yeah. like or on like a written on a wall would probably make a lot more sense. Or just an arm, or just tattooed or just an, an arm. arm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, or tattooed on my eyeball. It's just know? like I think it's it's probably the best piece of writing advice I've ever heard. And I've heard a lot of writing advice. Everybody has writing advice, but it's keep it interesting. If you remember that, and you look what you're doing, like is this interesting? And even if it's just interesting to you. You know, that's that's a start as well, long as it's interesting in some way, shape or form. That was kind of the past. Let's let's kind of talk about present for you now. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I could start at like the beginning of the present, which was like actually having a career in, in video production. And uh, the, the first real job I got, I was still in college when I got it, was uh, I was hired by a company to do wedding videos. 
And I'm sorry. Yeah, I think anybody that's gone very far in uh, in in the video production field has probably done wedding videos at one point it's, or another. It's a great starting point. It's and, a good and starting point. I say point. I'm sorry. It's kind of a joke, but like, but I, it's it's rough. Anybody it's that's rough, really yeah. done it, really done that that wedding video hustle knows. And like, it's on, like live. It's like shooting live. You it, can't it ask is. the like bride. You can't screw it up. Yeah, you you, you can't, can't ask the bride and groom to re-kiss. You know, you yeah. can't say have, cut. You can't say cut. Have you have you ever screwed up a wedding video? I have I have not. I did screw up some, one uh, wedding, which was a buddy of mine that I shot his wedding in Indianapolis. It was probably it was the second to last wedding I've shot, and I accidentally deleted the mic audio, uh, but I had backup audio. Thank oh, God, okay. it just didn't sound as good. But I was able to make it work, and, and they couldn't tell. But oh, you, my heart sank. The oh uh, yeah, anybody that does video production like has had that feeling it's at some rough. point or another. I had uh, I shot a wedding, um, and. It was the ceremony part of it, and I was shooting on mini DV back then. I think I was on like an XL, like a Canon XL2. Sick. Right? So dope. At the time, like by no, far, no, by far the coolest <laughs> yeah. camera I'd ever that shot time, on. That was very like, sick. By far. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, I don't know what happened, but the tape was just trashed. Like I'd put it into like, because you had worst. to capture it real time it's back the worst. then. Yeah, you got to play it on the yeah. DV. You have to walk away yeah. on your, as it's yeah. going through the Yeah, because like, if it's an hour of tape, like, you have to wait for an hour for it to go into the, the computer. computer. Yeah. And like you want to talk about. I do not miss that. Oh, boy, me neither, man. So, the, I mean, the, the biggest sinking feeling in the world is realizing you have to talk uh, to the client and say, hey, I lost your wedding. Sorry. Oh. Luckily, in this case, in this particular case, I was very lucky, and and um, they were actually very, very cool. That's and good. I think we still, I think we had a second camera, but and no audio. It's so, like we could, it was sort of salvage, but like not really. It's kind of mimey. Yeah. So okay. So anyway, so after um, after doing wedding videos, I'll speed this up because actually we are cruising on time. I remember um, that first three minutes of this was was us trying to record. Oh, the that's first a good take. point. That's yeah. a good point. So, At least three minutes, maybe even more than that. You're good. Yeah, the first forty two takes. No, this is interesting. Keep talking, man. So oh. Don't mind if I do. It's a podcast. It probably makes sense if I do. <laughs> um, my man. My man. So, uh, yeah, when I left winning videos, I uh, I went the route of um, – and I'm – so it, it, I'll, I'll just bring up a little bit of a difference in, in Drew and I. Um, I have a tendency to um, stick more with, like, corporate jobs versus being a freelancer. Drew, you're – would, you're more of a freelance sort of individual. Yeah. yeah. I, well, I've I've been able to. I've gotten. I should. I shouldn't say I'm lucky because I, I say that quite a bit. But I've worked hard to get to. You've worked part. hard. You worked hard. Thanks, yeah. man. It doesn't stuff like that doesn't just happen to well, people. And don't get me wrong. I mean, it's it's been a it's been a wild ride. You know, I, and I've gone through some corporate gigs and I've done that whole thing and it just doesn't work out. And I find my best creativity. I can implement my best creativity when I'm on my own and I'm my own boss. I've been that way since day one, and we'll get into it when I talk about yeah. kind of how I started. So yeah, so um, I, I started a job as a as a, a editor for uh, one of the local TV stations, a CBS affiliate here in sorry no the uh, ABC affiliate here in Salt Lake, and then I went to um, the uh, CBS affiliate here in Salt Lake. Um, won an Emmy with some of the with a piece that I did that at some point I'll I'll put a link out there so you guys can all see it. And um at that point I realized I'm like, you know what? I've had enough of news. Could probably actually also do an entire episode on what it's like working in a local TV station. That'd I think we could, I could probably we could probably find a really good guest to come on to talk about that'd that. Be cool. I know all sorts of people. That'd be interesting. Um that that'd be a good one. But news is a particularly rough field. And so um once I had made a five year plan at that point to once I was in news, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna get an Emmy, I'm gonna get out. And because I knew that Emmy could help get me other jobs. And it has. Which it has, which was the next job, uh, which was doing uh, video production for a marketing company, which is actually where Drew and I met. Um, I still work there currently, uh, do some freelance as well on the side, and thinking about what does the future look like for me. Right. Very cool. And then, yeah, when I stopped working there, I just kind of continued into freelance world. 
Yeah. So that's that's interesting, man. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, but I want to hear about you. Like, I know most things about you, but I feel like there's some stuff like there in your backstory that I'm yeah. going to find out about, and I'm well, kind of excited about it. Well, I remember I, I always say I had this like whole other life before yeah. we met. I think in the we both did. World. Like, yeah. yeah, it's, it's crazy. True. Yeah. yeah. So the snowboard world—that's kind of where everything shaped up, right? So at a young age, my grandpa worked for RCA. He actually built TVs. And then he also built camcorders, which is really cool. No, that's awesome. So he, yeah, and the one I have tattooed on my arm is is it one he built? That's a Keystone, but that's the one he filmed my mom's birth with. Wow, which dude. is really cool, dude. That's and you actually have that camera, right? I do. Yeah, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah, so I do have that camera in my office, but it's cool because so my grandpa always had these really cool RCA like you know tech in quotes, sure. air quotes uh, at the time. This was you know early '90s and. He would always film my brother and I doing like riding bikes and doing these karate shows and magic shows. Yeah, karate shows. Dude, it was sick. I want to see one of those. No, you don't. And yeah, um, it's so bad though. <laughs> so it was really cool though because you know he would set the camera down and then guess who gets to play with it? Me. True. So yeah, so I was like, oh, I always saw him with a camera and I looked up to him so much, man. Like you have no idea how much I looked up to him. And he kind of, kind of did, was that father figure for me for a while. And um, he passed away in 01. But um, anyways, besides that, he, he was just he was very much an influence on my life. So I knew that he was he was successful and, and his career and his field. So I kind of saw that and, and kind of took the leap forward as well. How how old do you think you were? Do you know how old you were when you like first picked up? Like that the camera? camera probably six or seven yeah yeah I was, I was about the same age my aunt and uncle had like a i think it was like an old panasonic like so vhs cool. camcorder and i was probably you know actually i was probably a little bit older i'll bet i was closer to about 10 yeah and that was the first first camera i ever shot with it's amazing like and now now to see the technology and how it moves know, forward right but it was cool because he would always have these and it wasn't much to him for me to take it around it wasn't like oh we just bought that you know it's oh i just brought that home from work you know what i mean right so, right and it was it was really cool so I moved in uh, to that. He passed away in 01, and and I was really into snowboarding. I still am into snowboarding. I snowboard all the time. Um, and we had this local little hill in Indiana where I grew up. And my uncle worked there, and um, I was able to always take cameras. And these were different cameras at the time. Sure. So now we're talking like late 2000s, mid 2000s. So like, like Sony Handycam. Yeah, exactly. DV yeah. Sony Handycams. I had stuff. I had the first um, Sony uh, Handycam that was the HD 1080p model. Oh, far um, out. But that was kind of like senior year of high school. I don't want to jump too far ahead. But dude, I was the typical skater kid with a camera. You know, right? On. We've oh, all yeah. we've all heard that story. You know, totally. I filmed my brother. We filmed each other skating. We filmed snowboarding. But it was cool because. I managed the terrain park at this local hill. I don't call it a ski resort. It was a hill. But we had a kick-ass park, man. It was really cool. Mm. Like, we, there was huge jumps for how small this place was. We built, we, we would go in and weld and paint the rails in the summer. So oh, then wow. we would be, they'd be all new for the wintertime. But what was cool is we had this park crew, and they were all the best riders from kind of around Indiana and northern Kentucky. Believe it or not, yeah, there's northern Kentucky snowboarders. And, um, you know, the, yeah, uh, for, as somebody who's never really been to, like, the Midwest or South at all, like, yeah, like, the thought of that does kind of surprise yeah, me a little bit. Yeah, yeah. especially being from Utah now, we yeah. have the best snow on Earth. Yeah, um, with, like, the enormous mountains, just, yeah. like, look outside, yeah. and they're right there. They're t we're 10 minutes away from yeah. Brighton, Solitude, Snowbird, and... Um, and Alta, you know, yeah, we're none of which I take advantage of. <laughs> no, you don't. Um, but what's cool was, is I would film these guys and they'd film me and we all, cause we had a photographer on the crew too. And we would, <laughs> we would film each other all the time, snowboarding, doing all these cool tricks and all this stuff. And I would make a DVD at the end of the year. And then the next, the following year I'd edit during the summer and the following year we'd have an open house and I would actually premiere the, the movie. That's so cool, man. Yeah, That's would, really cool. I would sell these DVDs out of the back of my car, man. Dude. Ten bucks a pop. I walked away one time with two hundred dollars. I knew at that point you could make money from this. I knew at that point I was like, you know, you don't have to 
to take that easy route. You can actually do something for yourself. And I think that's why I'm always in the freelance mindset, right? And I, you know, you can make money from this just by doing something yourself. How cool is that that both of us get to do for money something that we love doing? It's yeah, it's like amazing. like I I I bet if you poll people, like. I would be surprised if 50% of people were doing on a daily basis what they love doing. I know. I know. Like we're lucky. We are lucky. And I I say and that smart. yeah, we are. That's to say it comes with it comes with being smart though, yeah. right? Because it won't work. Luck luck only lasts you so long. You can only That's hit right. you can only hit black on roulette for so long until you hit red, right? Nice analogy, bro. Thanks, bro. I just went to Vegas last week. Um, <laughs> oh, so you just you just being real? <laughs> no, that too. No, but I. Uh, so what was cool though after that, I, you know, I started going to college. I went to school at IU. I didn't move too far away. Uh, for I, IU, that's uh, Indiana University. Oh, Indiana University. And we that, that was the campus based out of Bloomington. They had a telecommunications program there. Okay. So when I was there, um, I guess I started in between going to college and high school. But um, I actually started working with a local photographer. He was the best in Indiana. He still is. His mm-hmm. Kevin Hudson, Hudson's photography, he's absolutely amazing. But he taught me a lot of really cool lighting techniques because I was the guy moving his lights around. We were using old strobes and things like that. I That's mean, cool. Yeah, I think he had like he was using the five D. I think the time Mark II. You know, Mark II. I yeah. still I still have a five D Mark II. Honestly, it might be a Mark One now that I'm talking about it. Okay. So so and, and I know he has the three and the four now. But mm-hmm. at the time though, I mean, he had the best camera. I would shoot little promo videos for him with my camera. He he really liked the video aspect because he was strictly photography, right? In studio photography. Okay, I was going to ask. Yeah, what kind of so like like model photography. Yeah, lots okay. of model photography, which was cool, but a lot of like senior portraits and family. Okay. And and at the time, that's the best, that's as good as it got for sure. me because I'm, again, this is a small town. This is a small town, Southern Indiana. And this guy was teaching me all the stuff that he had learned for 20 years. So I'm taking this and I'm trying to implement this as much as I can uh, on set w- while with him. But at the same time, I'm in a telecommunications program at IU and I'm not, I don't feel like I'm learning anything, right? Oh, yeah. I'm taking, it's a university, so I'm taking these hard math classes, finite math. And, you know, later, once I got going in into college, kind of my junior and senior year, that's when the fun classes started to pick up. So we had like production classes, script writing classes, right. script writing, like, I, I have kind of a, a tiff with because my screenwriting uh, teacher, un- unlike yours, was actually really rude. And oh, yeah, that's a bummer. So, so I kind of have this like little itch, you know, with with screenwriting, but I, I'm still working on it. Well, it's it's, ama- it's amazing. Like just saying that, like the who knows if you'd had a screenwriting teacher that you liked, who you might be doing more of that. If I had a screenwriting teacher I didn't like, maybe I wouldn't be doing as that's much true. of it. That's it, true. Teachers just shape so much about you and we don't even realize you're it. right so i graduated from iu with a film degree uh telecommunications a bachelor of arts and sciences which means nothing to me it's sitting in a folder right in a, in a box seriously in, we in both have office. these degrees that were bet would be better as placemats yeah for the most part no yeah it's yeah. An expensive placemat but i would i would eat on it um yeah. but i i <laughs> i feel like you have is there like chili stains <laughs> on it i don't need chili <laughs> oh no for me oh yeah <laughs> my man so uh so no, I so I got this degree and um, and I you know and I part of me feels like it was worth it. You know I I don't feel like I learned a ton of production in school, but the experience which I'm still paying for the the experience itself was all worth it. Uh, how to live on your own, uh, how to meet people. I met my wife there at school in class, like the old school way, which my is man. awesome. Thank you. Um, so I thought at that point. You know, my goal was to move out here, and I was still sponsored in snowboarding. I was writing for a couple different companies, so I'm just going to move out here and figure it out. I don't have a job when I'm moving out here, so 
my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, we packed up my car. We drove all the way across the United States to how, Utah. How long of a drive is that? Too long. It was a, no, I think if you do it straight, it's like 26 hours. Mm, my goodness. Yeah, it's pretty. That's, that's a long time in a it's, car. It's pretty far. But we uh, we were able to split it up under like three or four nights. And we just okay. kind of, we like visited these little museums in Nebraska. Yeah, make, make a little bit of fun, fun out of it. Yeah, It was. And the car that I had like a Scion at the time. And, and like that thing was just wheeling all the way on. Wait a minute. Or, yeah. Did we know that we both had Scions at one point? What was it? I had a Scion TC. You had a, a black, TC. I had I a black TC. I had a black XB. That's. I don't think. I don't think we've ever talked about yeah, this. Dude, I, have, I don't think we have. We'll do. We'll do a whole episode on Scions. Yeah. At one point. <laughs> no, we won't. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, they don't even make them anymore. Uh, mine was basically a Pepsi can on wheels. Is what I kind of thought of it. It was nice. a hollow ass car. Um, hollow ass car. <laughs> I like that. It was a hollow car, basically. So, no, it was cool. So at the time, you know, I we moved out here. I didn't have a plan. On the way out, I did apply for a job at Backcountry.com. And a lot of my friends at the time worked there as well. And uh, I was thinking, you know, I'll, I'll just apply and I'll work in the call center. You know, right. I'll talk gear. I know gear. I'm, I ride for companies. This is great. Yada, yada. And uh, on the drive out, I actually about six hours away, I, I got a call and I got the job. Yeah, that's awesome. So so that was really cool. And at the time, a job was a job. I was just going to snowboard. And I always had film and, and you know, video to, to you know, lie back on it in case something didn't work out. Um which was really, really cool. So I, I don't feel like in, in school I learned as much as I, I could have. Yeah. But I knew it, once I started going in the right field and working for people that I could keep developing those skills, right? So what was really cool about Backcountry is is I, I was there for two months and I get an email about job openings um, via email, like internal. And one of the jobs was for video. And I'm like, okay, they're building out a new video program. This is great. This is, this is a big opportunity for me. I apply instantly. Boom. I don't hear back for a month. I hit them back. I'm like, there's no way I got this, but it's worth kind of checking up on, you know? Yeah, that sounds like backcountry, like kind of taking their time a little bit. Seriously, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah and I come to find out, yeah, it, get, it got worse for sure, but I got the job. That's awesome. So yeah, they built out a whole new studio. Me and three other guys got hired. We were shooting products. We shot commercials for, we shot with athletes. We shot, you know, commercials for the North Face. What a great start. It was insane. Yeah. I was, I, now that's when you talk about luck. That's when I felt lucky. Um, and I, I, I still disagree, though. I mean, I feel like there's probably a reason they hired you. Something about you, they're like, that's kind of the quality we're looking for. Yeah, and I was, think about it, I was 23 or 4. I'm 30 now. I was 23 or 4, and I was the youngest one on the team. The uh -huh. other guys they were hiring were 35, you know? And um, I was able to move around, and they knew I could snowboard, so I was able to go out on the slopes and go fast with gimbals and right. <laughs> gimbals at the time. Yeah, well, like, see, I mean, and that's a such a definite skill. Like, that's something I could not do. Right. Like, I don't ski or snowboard. You put me on a snowboard with a camera, I'm going to end up, like, riding the camera down the hill. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a cool shot. Uh, well. <laughs> uh, maybe not. But, um, no, it was just, I, I did, I kind of felt lucky, but what was really cool is there was a couple people there that, and I still am uh, in contact with one, uh, you know, Pete O'Brien. Mm -hmm. Um, he, he was really talented. He shot for a nitro circus and, um, he had a lot of cool background and I kind of got under his wing and he was just able to teach me a ton about, um, what we were going to do mm. and the plan. I learned about pre-production. I learned all the things I didn't learn in college. I was able to learn at that first job. I go to work one day. They can half the video team or they canned all the video team. They, they, they were getting rid of product videos. They were going to outsource. The marketing team wasn't doing well. We were done. So cool. That's my first, my first head on the chopping block. You know, I mean, I, again, working in video production, you work a corporate job, you're going to go through layoffs. You for are. Some, for some reason, a lot of people seem to think video is one of the most expendable parts of a company. It is. And, they, and, it, and it's not, but it's it, not. They, they think it is, they right? It is. So that's just... Video, video is expensive to produce. It is. So yeah. a lot of companies look at that as a lot of overhead and like, 
that's one of the first things that we're going to cut. Totally. And that's, dude, that's the first head on the chopping block, right? Mm -hmm. Each, each layoff was painful. So I did some freelance in the middle there with some, with, uh, you know, snowboarding companies at the time. Cause that was kind of my only connection at the time. Right. Um, so I was able to do some freelance work and then I decided, you know, I, I need to get more into the industry. So I started working at this really cool place downtown called Redmond Movies and Stories. It's a Hollywood production rental house. Yeah. 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 We've, we've, yeah really... they were, that's where I mixed uh, the audio for my last movie. Exactly. Paper yeah. And, yeah. The, and they had a really cool studio, um, great opportunities there with uh, meeting people. I had people coming in all the time. That was the first time I got to work on like a large set. I worked with like Danny Trejo cool. and, um, I got to get my hands on expensive Hollywood equipment. I think, you know, the guys I met there that had been there for a long time in the grip house, they did like Dumb and Dumber and Matilda and The right, Sandlot right. and all these really cool movies. And it was just, it was fun to like sit around the lunch table and listen to these stories from these grips, you know? And totally. That'd and they're awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Again, mentoring, right? So yeah. I didn't, I still think in the back of my head, I didn't learn a lot in college, but now I'm still learning, right? I was able to take the knowledge from Backcountry and Redmond and apply it to, forward. I was just able to apply right. it forward and keep pushing forward. So I walk in again one day, get this, I'm there for maybe eight months. And, um, a show canceled from Showtime that we were doing a lot of do work what, on. Do you remember what the show was? Uh, yes. Blood and oil. Oh. Uh, so we were, we had just invested our, I say we, but, um, the owner had just invested a lot of money into these huge airy lights, like sky panel, not yeah. sky panels, way bigger than that. They're like, dude, they're, you could like fit inside of them. They're the biggest lights I've ever seen. They create, wow. they create like sun basically. Right. And he bought three of them, and uh, I guess he invested all his money into those. They're still doing great right now, Redmond is. Basically, long story short, that was they didn't have money to pay us anymore. So guess what? Head on the chopping block number two. Yoink. Yeah. So, okay, this isn't working, I'm thinking. But again, I'm able to apply that knowledge that I'm learning, those right. stories from people. I'm, I kind of starting to know more people in the industry. And then I do freelance for probably two years. Things get a little bit slow. And that's when I get a uh, call from Dave at Experticity. Uh, Dave Moppert. That's where, yeah. And that's and I actually met Dave at Redmond. I, I yeah, yeah yeah. Dave used to Dave used to do a lot of work with Redmond. Yeah. There's a lot of people over there. There was a it was a co-op in one of the sides, and they had their own production studio over there. So he was a website designer, and we were that's working right. on building a new website for Redmond, and I was going to film some of the uh, motion clips for it. Okay. And that's where I met Dave, and Dave actually called me, and he asked me to come in and, and chat about it uh, with this open video position. He basically right. had, he was hiring two people. His goal was to kind of do like a Red Bull media style network. Cause you guys work with some amazing brands over there. And yeah, we do. do. Yeah. Done some, done some work with Reebok, with the North face, Otterbox, like, yeah, lots of large brands. And by the way, just to, just to throw us in here, just so everybody has context for who Dave is, Dave Moppert is a, a, a very close personal friend of both of ours. But before that he was my boss. He hired me. So at this company, I'll just go ahead and say the name. It's Expert Voice. Um, I He hired me as an editor there. And after a, about a year or so, that's when he made the call to Drew to come in to start expanding our video team. Right. And at the time, I only knew Dave. Right. I didn't know you. I didn't know Zach. Yeah. I didn't know any of the other team members. So that was really cool. So I came in. I talked with him. You know, He told me his plan. And I got hired as a videographer. And then that's when I met you and you were doing all the editing. I literally remember the first day you started and it was, we we walked up to Harmon's to get some lunches, the we whole did. team, there's six of us at the time. Yeah. And it was, it was immediate. You and I paired off and talked the entire way up there. And I'm pretty sure like, I knew, I knew, uh, this, this is very bromancy, but like, I knew by the time we got to Harmon's, which was like three blocks away, I'm like, I'm like, this guy's cool. We're going to hang out <laughs> like for sure. Well, that, my goal, you know, you kind of go into these, these 
corporate positions and, and these, you know, this uh, uniform style. I, I shouldn't say like physical uniform, but right, right. There's, there's a certain decorum. Yeah, yeah. yeah and you, you, I got, I get a little nervous because sure. you know, and I'm, I'm, you know, slightly. I have a hard time trusting these types of atmospheres because with with, with good reason after yeah. the stuff and stuff you've been through. But I, but I agree, man. I we, we walked down and we got some lunch and um and I, I was like, yeah, this guy's cool. And you told me you had an Emmy, and I was like, this guy's really freaking cool. See, I knew the Emmy would come in handy. Yeah, <laughs> making friends with the Emmy. Exactly. So. <laughs> So we worked there for a while. We did a lot of cool shoots. We worked a with cool a lot of brands together. like Vega, D'Addario, which is like Evans and Martin and Promark. All the that was probably brands. one of my favorite videos that we ever did there. It was cool. The we worked stuff. with we worked with KTM. We did North Face again. Uh, we I, I can't even. We traveled to Canada. We did. I mean, we Florida. Florida. I mean, several times down to like Moab. Oh yeah, lots of Moab yeah. trips. So we we're, did, I mean, we're lucky. We, we do have a lot of outdoor brands, and yeah. so uh, luckily we have a lot of outdoors right near us. Yeah, and so we can shoot a lot right around here. Yeah, but going back to learning, I mean, mm -hmm. you talk about. I mean, not only did I learn a lot at that place, Dave is one of the most excellent mentors in the world. And yeah, he, Dave's incredible. He is incredible. And not only did he help me kind of funnel uh, all of those thoughts and, and all of those positions that I've done in the past where I've been editing, producing, you know, uh, directing, all this crap. I shouldn't say it, crap. You know, all these... Crap, crap's fine. I'm fine <laughs> with crap. <laughs> I, but, I, you know, all these positions where I was producing, directing, and editing, and running the camera, he helped funnel down, you know... You're, Drew, he goes, Drew, you're a DP. He goes, you're so good at lighting. Thank you, Kevin Hudson. You're so good at lighting and you're so good at shooting. And I'm like, at the time, I'm like, yeah, no, I, dude, whatever. Like, it's fine. Yeah, okay. I, I, I point a camera. Play yeah, I point it. Like, I, yeah. I say a, a speed. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and, but then we started looking back and he started showing me old footage and he, he helped me believe that I was that, which I really think helped me mentally and kind of give me confidence and put me in the right direction of, of the position that I wanted to be in. Yeah. So so now I am a DP and I go by being a cinematographer. Yeah. And uh, and, and you are. I mean, because Dave did a very similar sort of thing with me, kind of helping helping look at who we are and distill down what we might be good at and helping support us in those ways. And, and by the way, like we're not just going to just, you know be all about Dave and never let you hear from him. Dave will probably be on here somewhat regularly, I think. Yeah. He's, he's got a lot of knowledge. He's a good guy. He's fun to talk to. He's going to be our first guest. Yeah, he's going to be first, our first guest. But so, I mean, you, yeah, you like you, he helped distill you down into a DP. And then the the result of that was you started actually DPing on the short films that we worked on together. Right. You know, that was two weeks after I started, by the way. Two weeks that we did the 48-hour film project in Salt Lake. Um, two weeks after Drew started, and we won, and we well, we won the audience award, which I like for me. Okay, I think the most important. Like, I want, yeah. I care more about the audience than judges, to be completely honest. Yeah, and I'm not trying to toot our own horns, but it was just a, it was a, but beat, beat. But no, I, there was just, it was a really cool dynamic of, okay, I'm going into this thing, and it just happened really fast, um, so fast. So all of that was great for. I, I think I was on the video team there for over a little bit over a year. Yeah, and um, again, walk into work Layoffs, one day. Layoffs, man. Walk into work. They had the chopping block ready. It's it's rough. Yeah, me and a, a handful of other people from the marketing team. Uh, and at that point, you're like, "Am I doing something wrong?" Yeah, and it's not. What no, it is. no, you didn't do anything wrong. No, in fact, what was amazing about that layoff was, you know, every it was sad, man. I remember it you, was. You were, you were like balling. Oh, it was. I was. Don't tell everybody. I, I was. Cried, Drew. I, I I waited till I got in my car and I kind of you know teared uh, up. I just walked around just leaving trails of tears behind me all day long. <laughs> yeah, I was like slipping. Like, on my them. best friend just got fired. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, it was cool because you know why? I was back the next day on contract. <laughs> you were making more, making more. So yeah. this this is where it gets fun because okay, third 
And I'm done with the layoff stories. I don't. I have not gone back to a corporate job since then. There's but, there's positive things to find about these layoffs for sure. Oh, I think yeah. it helped put you in in the mindset and position that you're in now where you're being, I think quite successful at what you're doing and you would have gotten there without going through some of these bumps in the road. Yeah. And, but yeah. And not only, and don't even label them as bumps, right? Because mm-hmm. those again are those learning experiences right. that I can now apply to my own Absolutely. job. So when you need to lay people, off. <laughs> <laughs> right? I don't, I, I'm, I'm scared to be that guy, to be honest, just because I've been in that position. Well, I'll do it. Okay. <laughs> Aaron, lay that guy off. Um, Fired. <laughs> so, but what was cool about that is um, again, I was in there the next day. And we, I, I was making more money on a day rate than I was in a week and a half. Yeah. And I, and I, then I would come in and we would do pre-production and then I would go on shoots. I was still traveling with you guys. Yeah. At that point. And, and then you still work and, with us. And in fact, in March, I'm going on a diamondback shoot with yeah. you guys. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, it's funny to sit here and talk about it. I laugh, but. Again, I'm kind of it's that's pretty lucky, man. That's pretty cool. That's uh, again, it's not lucky. I mean, if you were a garbage employee and they fired you for being a garbage employee, they wouldn't be asking you back. Now it's it's all good. I do uh, freelance under Forty Three Productions, which is my company. I've been able to get brand affiliations uh, through YouTube and Lytra Epidemic Sound. I'm a beta tester for GoPro. I did that a lot in the snowboard industry, and now I'm able to apply that into the film industry, which is, has been really cool. Yeah. Um, and for the future, my long-term goal is just to be a DP on large sets. Well, you know what, man? Like, we're, we're on our way. I mean, that brings us to, you know, I've talked about me. Drew's talked about Drew. And, and now, we're, but now it's Drew and Aaron together. Like, we're doing stuff together. And um, the, the kind of culmination and where things I think are leading in the future, we recently, last year, we uh, made a movie as a short film called Paper Cutter. I wrote and directed it. Uh, Drew was the DP. And and we, we'll talk about that at a, at a later point, but we're now working on our next one together. And I'm pretty sure if everything goes like we want it to, Drew and I are going to be making movies together for the rest of our lives. That's the plan, man. Yeah, hopefully, like with or without success, hopefully with success. Yep. But like, I think we're always going to be doing it. And I think you're, you know, we're, we're a team. We're the Coen brothers and uh, Roger Deakins or yeah. you know. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the Coen brothers, I guess, yeah. in this analogy. <laughs> so that makes a lot of sense. This next movie, uh, you want to go ahead and say the title? Yeah, it's, it's called Jump Seat. Um, we're going so... Paper Cutter, the last movie, was um, there's plenty technical about it, but it was kind of us like first really getting our hooks into. We'd worked on a couple other short films, um, but this was a, our first kind of try at like a real movie, like something that looks good, something that feels good, something that feels professional. And we did, I think, a pretty good job. We learned a lot, and that's definitely stuff we can talk about probably throughout this podcast as long as we do it we learned a lot we made mistakes we did some things right and so we made a lot of mistakes and did some things right <laughs> we, we did a lot of things right and we made some mistakes um, but we learned from all those mistakes and what we're going to apply to the next movie jump seat which we want to be um really i want it to be top notch i want it to look 100 percent professional i wanted to feel i wanted people to be surprised that a couple dudes in utah made this movie right and i think we're on the right track for that i think I mean, so we're doing a we, lot of pre-production yeah i was gonna say we've started doing pre-production months ago yeah. and we don't even have our shooting dates are in april in april projected shooting dates yeah. and we've already location scouted i'm so excited for that location it's, it's gonna be so much fun can i tell them one of the locations for the movie yeah where we that we scouted yeah do it we're, we're, we're shooting in an old video store yeah and, it, and not only does it look like an old video store it smells like an old it video smells store. like it's as crappy looking as you remember video stores yeah. looking and it's feeling in, in, so in cool. the best way possible yeah. yeah yeah i'm excited about that i think that's i mean just that itself and our lighting perspective it's mm-hmm. got a very drive feel it's you know got a very stranger things feel yeah I, i'm just excited for it i think we've already put more time into this in pre-production than we had in uh 
paper cutter. Oh, by far, by far. Well, and I think that's one of the lessons we learned from paper cutter is the best time you can spend is in pre-production. Plan- planning doesn't cost very much. That's true. Yeah. So I want to I want to wrap this up here yeah. soon, but um, you, you know, we have our notes here that we've kind of been glancing at. Um, we there's a, there's a thing at the end of our notes, and it says we're different people, though. We uh, are different. Um, and you you say Drew is more of a content creator, and I'm more of a filmmaker. And I want to touch on that because I think what makes you a great filmmaker is you're a really good writer and a good storyteller. Oh, thanks, man. Um, you have, obviously, the visuals, and you can see that, um, but you're very good at writing and, and putting a story together. Oh, thanks, Whereas man. I feel like I can kind of come in and help you make that a vision. Yeah, I think so, and I think that's where what like your strong suit is. Like, like you get story, like you have all sorts of great ideas, and where your story sense really comes out is in your visuals. Like I, you know when I give you a, a scene that we're going to shoot and I've been storyboarding out, I'm like, I think it's going to look something like this. Like you're interested, like, okay, where are these characters heads at? What are they doing? And you shape your lighting and angles and stuff kind of around that, like whatever I might not have already thought about. That's where you jump in and you're like, I want to have, you know, a dark back here because, you know, duality or whatever, you know? And like, that's a, that's a, you know, a huge part of the storytelling as well, as well as the place where you excel that I do pretty much nothing with is, you know, partnerships with brands, stuff like that, you're able to, I mean, it's at the, at the moment we're still working on our funding, but at the moment it seems like the majority of it's going to come from you being able to talk to these brands and saying like, Hey, here's how making this movie can help you guys out. And in exchange for you to give us a little bit of money to actually make it. Yeah. And like so far, um, it's, it's looking like we're going to get a bit of money out of that. And that's something that I would not be able to Like, that's not, I'm not, I don't really create content for brands other than at my, like my day job. But I don't sell that content. Sure. I just help make it. Well, and I think I think you could. I think that kind of comes with me trying to sell my own company too to people. As, sure. and, and these are clients that are different from those brand deals and air quotes. Um, so I think that helps. And I and I'm really glad. And that's that's why I should say I'm really glad that that we have each other for that. And Dave has a you know brings a whole aspect of yeah. his talent. And I think. That's what makes a good team. I'm I'm so used to, and I know you were at one time shooting weddings. You're so used to being a one man band, so and I can't to, stress yeah. enough how important it is to have a whole crew with you because there's not even just from the hands that are on set, mm-hmm. but the things in pre production, like helping you sell that and getting that money, helping you write and making a good story, like t- t- taking taking critiques. You know, like you guys all read the script. And you guys all have ideas like and it's being having the people around you that can be honest and open with you and say like, hey, this part's stupid. Yeah. And then I say you're stupid. Yeah. And then you do. You don't and, take then, crit- and then we're doing it my way. <laughs> you don't take critiques very well. No, I'm just, no, I do. I'm just I, kidding. I, th- I think, uh, again, this could be a, a huge topic later on is, is, it will be. is taking taking criticism. You can take criticism well and it'll do nothing but benefit you. There, there's, I think there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. But um, again, but yeah, having those people around you and uh, all having a team people with different sets of skills all coming together to figure it out is is it, for me it's this is a team sport that's what it's all about you can do you know you can make little videos in your bedroom by yourself what <laughs> wait you don't do that what kind of movies are those no they're usually puppet shows yeah <laughs> nice dude but no. but working with a team uh stuff will just come out better it just will i think you're right i think it comes down to being on a team and i think learning from each other which is what this podcast is all about learning from each other and helping teach others um, I want to I want to leave it on a piece of advice from you, Aaron. Um, do you have one piece of advice that kind of follows what we've been talking about? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it actually goes really hand in hand with what we were just talking about with with criticism. And the piece of advice I have is get over yourself. Like if you have an ego and you don't listen to what other people say and you don't l- look at yourself and be honest with yourself, um, you're not going to do as well. If you if you can look at something you've done and be like, I can do this better instead of like, I'm awesome. 
um, everybody bow before me, you'll get better because that, that means you're open and willing to learn. That's great. My piece of advice is we do not fake it till we make it, but I do believe we become what we believe we are. Right on, man. I like that. Yeah. yeah. So, so just because you don't have the nicest camera, just because you're shooting with an iPhone, just because you don't have a lot of lights, just because you don't even have another person to make movies with, believe in yourself. And that kind of follows what you're saying. Don't have an ego. Mm-hmm. And I think you'll be just fine in this production world. Yeah. Like you, you can't do it unless you start doing it. You have to start doing it. Yep. And then you'll be doing it. Just like this podcast. Just like we, we said, like, hey, let's start doing a podcast. And guess what? Now we're doing a podcast. Oh.